Welcome to the Diversity and Fellowship Podcast, where we discuss how the gospel brings us together and keeps us together. We are your hosts, Kenny King. And I'm William Marshall, and we want to encourage Christians to think through how our lives and our churches can be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. All right, welcome everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in to listen to the latest episode of Diversity in Fellowship. Uh, we're glad that you have joined with us today. We are doing something very different, uh, very exciting today. Uh, we are at the Missouri Baptist Convention, and uh, we have a guest with us today. So, uh, Pastor Kenny, why don't you introduce our guest with us today? Our guest with us today is Bill Victor. He is the author of a book on racial reconciliation. The title is One Church, All People, Biblical Truth and Diversity, uh, Biblical Truth About Diversity and Reconciliation. Bill is a part of the development leaders in the Missouri Baptist Convention. So we are really happy to have Bill with us today. We want to talk a little bit about his book and about uh, racial reconciliation. Bill, why don't you uh, tell us just a little bit about kind of what your role is in the Missouri Baptist Convention and what you're doing and just those things so our, so our listeners have a better idea of that. Sure, I work with the developing leaders team at the Missouri Baptist Convention. We, uh, I work with, with pastoral, pastoral care, transitional pastor ministry, and I'm also part of the Resound Network, uh, which is working with churches about re with revitalization across our state and working on uh, churches to improve their health. Great, great. All right, well, let's move in. We want to we wanna ask some questions. So, Pastor Kenny, we'll let you uh, kick it off. What's our first question for, for Bill? All right, Bill, so so you're in this role with developing leaders. Uh, the question, first question I would ask, like, what moved you to, to write this book about racial reconciliation? Well, two events in our state propelled me to, to begin some conversations with some black pastors that uh, first off was Michael Brown in Ferguson. I grew up in St. Louis, uh, okay. and, and I had uh, I had relatives, cousins that lived in Florissant and Ferguson, so that was that hit home to me, that first thing. And then in, in uh, just a couple of years later, when the University of Missouri had issues, the Concerned Student 1950 movement, right. and a lot of the things that were going on there, it prompted me and my team to begin having some discussions with black pastors that we knew, asking about their experience and working through these things. And uh, it, it, through the course of these discussions, it prompted me to take a look at Philippians 2. Because one pastor challenged me, he says, until we get to the point where we are, that, 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 that we're willing to give up and sacrifice and give up our advantage for the betterment of others, like Christ did in Philippians uh, right. Paul uh, portrays in Philippians 2, then we're not going to get anywhere. And that's where it started, with a, a, an exegetical treatment of Philippians 2, 6-11, the, the Christ right. hymn. And, and it, it, it came about um, because I was kind of challenged until, until we're willing to have that kind of attitude in ourselves, that there's going to be very little, um, little movement mm -hmm. in terms of reconciliation. In, in our in our organization right. so it started off as that that chapter was the first chapter and I presented it to the Missouri Baptist Convention and our leadership to kind of challenge them to do more toward diversity and reconciliation yeah that and so that and that became one of the chapters in the book right and uh, and that was I mean I, I really enjoy you know one of the things that you kind of drew, drew out of that the Philippians 2 passage there is just the importance of making sure that we're willing to sacrifice right. 
Right. Because that seems to be one of the issues that's kind of lacking at times. Mm -hmm. So develop, what, 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 was, what was kind of your thinking? Why, why did you feel like that was an important idea to include? It's, I think one of the problems with, with, with white pastors and white people in, in my network is there's a lot, of, a lot of reaction to calls for diversity and reconciliation. And when we see some of the systemic problems we have in our nation, a lot of us will say, well, that, I didn't do that. My family right. didn't own slaves and I didn't do this. I shouldn't have to, do, I, I wasn't a part of it. But what, what we haven't seen is that we've inherited the benefits of the system for generations and hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and that since we've benefited from that, right. and, and, and we have some advantages, it's, it's Christ-like to use our van advantages for the benefit of others. That's good. And, and that is, that Christ hymn in Philippians 2, it's wonderful. It's been mined for so much theology, incarnation, uh, for exaltation of Christ. But the whole point of Philippians 2 is ethical. Yes. Paul wants you to act like Jesus. Who, yes. There was nothing he wouldn't give up for the betterment of others. So right. that came back to me as a conviction. Like, right. I see some of my brothers and sisters in, that aren't flourishing, and I have to see my, my flourishing connected with them. Yes. So nice. I, if I have advantages, I need to leverage them for other people. Okay. Amen. Great. That's good. Some people will will hear that and and they will say I didn't I didn't have anything to do with this and and so they're going to push back on the idea that they need to sacrifice and that's kind of what you you were saying um, and so one of the pushbacks has been that diversity and, and racial reconciliation is a social gospel it's liberal it's it's Marxist so how would you respond to someone who continue to kind of focus on that as a rebuttal to uh, racial reconciliation. Yeah, I don't know how you can you can read through the New Testament and not see the themes of reconciliation throughout. Right. And, yes. and, and what what I did with my book was I wanted this to be extremely exegetical, all biblical exposition. I didn't want to pull from any social gospel movement or any Marxism. I didn't want to pull from any any sociological. Um, thoughts or t teaching at all. I wanted to walk through scripture. Yes. Mm. And this is throughout scripture. It right. begins with, you know, with, with, with God blessing Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless the, all the peoples of the earth through you. That's yes. a issue of diversity. And then when you walk through the, old, the New Testament and you see that people are, that reconciliation between different cultures, ethnicities, groups, it's taking place throughout the entire New Testament. And you see that, and I don't know how you could say that this is a this is a worldly thing, a secular thing, a Marxist thing. This is a gospel thing. Yes. Right. And, and right. the whole, most of half of Paul's writings are talking about trying to get Jews and Gentiles to become one in Christ. And, and I don't see how that it, that's a timeless message. Right. Amen. So, we're here today, Missouri Baptist Convention, pastors all around us. What? I mean, in just a just a, just a couple of sentences, you've already kind of said this, but I mean, what would you say to those pastors who say, "I just don't want to have anything to," you know, "I'm just so afraid of being labeled a liberal. I'm so afraid of being labeled a Marxist, right?" Yeah. Because I I think there are white pastors sure. who want to lean into racial reconciliation and figure out what they can do, but that I mean, like they are afraid of that. There is a very real possibility sure. that they could be labeled. Oh, that. absolutely. So, what would you say to? 
that guy on the elevator today what, that maybe would say that to you? One of the biggest influences on me toward walking through this is a pastor in Kansas City named Brian Key. He, he's one of the pastors at Redeemer Church in, in Kansas City. And we had a conversation, and one of the things he said is that we were talking through these issues and it says, this has, for our people, we're supposedly, so we, we are Bible people. Yes. So w what I wanted to do was say, okay, this is a biblical issue. And I wanted to give pastors tools. So let's say in their heart, this pastor in his heart, I want to talk about these things, but I don't know where to go. I'm afraid of being called a liberal. I walk through scriptural passages where if you just walk in and use this as a Bible study or a sermon, the basis of a sermon series, if, if somebody has a problem with it, they have a problem with the Bible, yes. not with the pastor or with the society. And that's what I wanted to do. It's like, these are biblical passages that walk through the issues of diversity and reconciliation. So if anyone's going to argue with you, they're actually arguing with God. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Good work. Good work. All right. Uh, so... We'll move on. Next next question. You begin your book by kind of giving a vision of the end, mm -hmm. as seen in Revelation, how there is a multitude from every tongue and tribe and nation and people uh, around the throne. There are those that say, well, since this is already a reality in heaven, like this is the promise, this is the future of heaven, this is what it's going to look like, that we do not necessarily have to work in racial reconciliation on earth, right? That, that's already a reality. It's promised. We see it at the end of the, you know, it's, it's in the book of Revelation there. How, how would you respond to somebody who might try to, tr try to hold that view? I'd respond with the Lord's Prayer. Yes. Ah, yes. Yeah. You know, we love that. <laughs> exactly. We love that. <laughs> your Grace kingdom Bible come, right. your, your will be done on earth there it is. as it is in heaven. So if you see this idealistic picture of what's going on in heaven right now, around the, around the throne, right. people of all tribes, nations, tongues, languages, they're worshiping the lamb around the throne now. And God wants that to happen on earth as it's yeah. happening in heaven. Right. Yeah. And then if you continue to go on, what a really beautiful picture is in Revelation 21, where it talks about the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into New Jerusalem. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like you know, I think some people think that all ethnicities are going to be dissolved. There's going to be this like this united race in it. It doesn't sound like that. Right. We, we maintain these distinctions in heaven. Heaven's going to be this beautiful multicultural place. Or actually, I'm sorry, heaven is this beautiful multicultural <laughs> right. place. Right. New creation is going to be the same, and it's going to happen. So if that's what's going, if that's what's going to take place in new creation, yeah. then you're going to be frustrated on earth if you're not working toward that, because this is where God's project is going. So right. work toward it now, and if you're not working toward it now, you're going to be frustrated because your work's not going to bear fruit. Right. Yeah, I, I think sometimes even with that with that issue, it's almost as if we don't understand the not yet aspect of yes of, of theology. Right? right. I mean, yes, there is an already. Right. Mm -hmm. Jesus has come, and Jesus mm -hmm. has paid the price, and He's going to redeem people from every time. Yes, but. But there is a not yet part of that. Right. I mean, there is a, there is a hey, we've got to make sure we're, we're reaching mm -hmm. these nations. I mean, it, it, like, we wouldn't say to the IMB or to a, mission, a missionary, exactly. mm -hmm. hey, look, people are going to get saved from every tongue and tribe and nation. Therefore, there's no reason for you to go. Right. We would never make that argument. No. You know, but, but yet at times it seems as if it's, it's, it's this. And, and I want to give I want to give brothers the benefit of the doubt. I think it's very easy to be judgmental, and but but I but I do think sometimes it's 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 this. Hey, look, I I don't know what to do in this area. I don't know how to fight for racial reconciliation. I mean, I don't even know how to do that in my community, you know. And so, 
I need a I need a way to 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 be okay with that, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm just gonna I'm gonna look at this passage and say, well, we already know that's gonna happen, so we'll just we'll just settle with that, you know. Right. And so I I think that can be really um, really hurtful to the to the movement, right? I mean, hurtful to what we're trying to do. Yeah, and I like what you said about they're gonna be frustrated yeah. even trying to do what they think they are called to do. Uh, and so I, a lot of people who would hold that view would say, well just preach the gospel and I know you addressed that in your book like like just preach the gospel well if you are just preaching the gospel and you're not doing it in a, in a way to where God's will is being done on earth as it is in heaven then that's not going to work out for you right and, and that's what that's kind of what I hear you saying and I think that's great the one thing you, you can learn from Paul who's who's you, you, you say well he's just Paul has preached the gospel yes no his his whole work is filled with reconciliation whether it be Gentiles and Jews whether it be leaders in a in a church in in Philippi, whether it would be um, the Corinthians themselves, yes. he's constantly putting into practice his words about reconciliation. It's what he's doing. So uh, this is this to me. This is a gospel issue. Yes, you know, right. Just one. There was a chapter. If I could have, if I was ever going to expand this, I would walk through the book of Galatians. Because this idea is, you know, one of the underlying issues, actually it's, it's probably the major issue of the book of Galatians, I'm going to probably get in trouble for even saying that, <laughs> is this idea that th- there were Jewish Christians who thought that the Gentiles needed to become Jews. Yes. That's a, that's a reconciliation, that's a diversity, that's a racial right. issue. Right, right. Yes. And Paul is like saying, no, God, Jesus told me specifically, that's not the case. Right, right. Yeah. What's interesting about that is the, the first book we walked through as a merged church was Galatians. Like we wanted to show how the gospel, like we were doing this because of the gospel. Mm-hmm. The gospel calls us to be reconciled to one another. And Galatians is a great book to kind of show the, the importance of keeping the gospel uh, pure, <laughs> like not adding anything to it. Right, like right. you don't have to add anything right. to it in order to fight for racial reconciliation and, and unity amongst uh, diversity. Yeah, that's good. So um, in, in chapter two of your book, you, you wrote that Christians can and should seek to shape the society around them in a way that preserves human dignity. Human dignity. Like, What are some practical ways uh, that individual Christians and churches can, can do this regarding the present racial environment that we are in. Right, well, one thing is just on a purely um, small first steps level, this is one of the reasons I gave this book, is that if a pastor or a Bible study teacher could could impress upon their people the importance of diversity and reconciliation from the very beginning, from, from, from Genesis 1, the idea of, of us being a diverse people is, is in scripture. So if you just that's just step one. This is just faithful Bible teaching to this issue, and then kind of looking to looking at okay, we have to see that that the our our flourishing as a church and as a community is connected to my brother and sisters flourishing in the yes. community, and where we see people that are at a disadvantage, whether it would be racial or whether it would be economic or whether it be, you know, a, a, several issues how can i leverage what i have no matter even if i have just a little bit how can i leverage what i have for the betterment of my brother and sister who's yeah. less advantaged and, and that that's like baby steps and you know in each community is different 
and I don't know what right. that looks like in each community, but but those are some things to be thinking about, praying about, and seeing where the needs are, being committed to this, being committed to to our time and our our finances. Yeah, it's good. Being able to take some of what we have, maybe some of the excess that we have, and, and use it for the betterment of others. Right. If we start thinking that way, and I think for so long, for so many of us have this idea that 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 people group over there, they're struggling because they lack discipline or they lack, uh, they, they don't act like me. Right. And they're not, instead of, okay, there may have been some societal issues that, that have kept that group in that position. How can you help? How can you leverage what you have to help other people? Mm. And, and like I said, I can't give specifics because we'd have to look down each, each specific. But, but one, one, one thing, if you're struggling with this, is to be have a listening ear to people who are going through this. When you see a post on Facebook from an African-American friend who's struggling with uh, something that's happening like George, George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery, Listen, you don't have to have an answer. Right. Let yeah. these people let these people lament and let let them let and be there for them instead yes. of having the quick answers all the time. Yes. And, and you start having that empathy toward other people mm. and then you'll find ways to get involved and ways to help. Yeah, that's good. You know, one of the things I've <laughs> I've kind of uh, learned by failing in my marriage is that sometimes my, you know, my conversations with my wife I want to solve everything, right? So she comes to me with a problem, and I'm like, I can, I can answer that in two minutes, baby. Let me just, you just need to do this, this, and then, you know, one, two, three, and everything will be fine. And then when she, that is not actually helpful, I'm, I'm like, well, I don't understand. I, I clearly told you, you know, what you need to do. I don't understand why that's not. But, but what I've learned is that that's sometimes what she wants to do is just have me be there and listen. You Absolutely. Know? And just and and know. And I think this is big. Know that I've actually heard what she said, mm-hmm. not 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 in some like superficial. Oh, just let me fix it. But like, you know, if she's struggling, if she's hurting in a situation, like I'm, I hurt with you over that, baby. Like I I hurt with you. Um, and I think sometimes in, in in racial relationships, there's this, especially among the majority culture, the the white culture. There's like, hey, look, I'm just I can fix it. You know, come tell me your problems. I, I'll tell you what they should have done. They should have done this. And if if they'd have just done this, and if we could just do this, and it and it's almost like you know, black blacks black evangelicals black um, even outside the church are kind of like. You're not really. You, you may be listening, but you're not really hearing what right. we're saying. Right. Yeah. And it's you're basically just kind of throwing out these easy solutions that you think are going to work, and you don't really even understand the problem yet. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, we've talked a lot about, and this has been something that the Lord's really convicted me over, is I, I want to learn how to feel the hurt. Right. right? I want to learn yeah. how to feel the frustration. And uh, I'm not going to do that quickly, right? That's going to take some time. I'm going to have to pray. I'm going to have to develop relationships with brothers. And, um, and so I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that's so important. Yeah. One of the things I heard you talking about and, and continue to say is leveraging the advantage and, and trying to change your, your frame of mind and your frame of thinking about what's wrong with that group of people. Like, how did you, as a majority culture member, how did you get to the point where you could you could um, not necessarily hear that you had that advantage and, and, and kind of push back, you know, a, a lot of pushback. How did, you, how did you personally kind of get to that point where you could hear about, let's say, white privilege and not immediately say, 
well, I worked really hard in regard for, for what I got or hear about, hey, there are some structural issues going on in that community and, and kind of not take it as an attack on maybe the nation or, or different institutions in the nation. Yeah, I, I'd be naive to think that I didn't have some of that growing up. You know, I thinking through when you hear the concept of reparations and I think, well, my my ancestors came here after slavery was abolished for the most part. Right. So I didn't have anything to do with that. Right. But, you know, but but, but instead I, I've inherited some of the privileges of 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 that you know, of, of being the majority culture, whether, you know, whatever that looks like. So a lot of it has just been listening yes, and reading, um, he, working through these things. And, and really, Jesus is the answer for me. <laughs> I'm seriously, Man, yes, when, yeah. when it, was, it was more than any of the sociological issues. It was like spiritual formation. Yes. And Jesus wanting the betterment for, for people, for, for those who are less fortunate, for those who are less advantaged, um, having listening, right. listening, exposing myself to resources and, and just opening my eyes and going, yeah, this this is some of the stuff that, that my black brothers and sisters have been talking about for years. This is real. Yeah. And it's really impacting them. And, and when you when I reflect one thing that happened really that, that really kind of jarred me was I was talking to an African-American pastor friend about his experience just with with car stops. Yes. And yeah. here's right. a guy, me, mm-hmm. college, early 20s. I got pulled over a lot because I'm very, very irresponsible. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait. But, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully none of your bosses will be listening right. to the podcast. I'm not, I'm not was, in my 20s right. anymore. There you go. That's right. That's right. You've matured. But, yeah. So, But I would reflect on how was my experience getting pulled over after speeding different from my friend Brian or my friend John's experience? And yep. you start talking, it's like, holy cow. And, right. you know, just some just some, some stuff like reaching into my bag for my wallet, like coming home from the gym, reaching into my bag for my wallet while the cop is walking up to my car. Well, if my friend, my, my black pastor friend Brian does that, that's a whole different situation. Yes, Kenny, yes. you know, right, I mean, right. you do that, yeah. that's a different situation. Right. And so you start to think about that, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, I know a lot of my a lot of my white friends will talk about, well, you know, it's not really a racial thing; it's a cultural thing. If I see someone in, in a nice polo and and Dockers and and walking around, I'm not going to be have attitudes. But if I see somebody with a do rag and, and and dreads, right. I'm like, right. no, I bet I bet if you talk to my friend Kenny, yeah, his experience at Walmart, even dressed in nice clothes, is a lot different than mine. Right. right. And so you start listening to people like that, and you go, yeah, there's. There's some hidden stuff that yeah. I, I just don't know about. Right. That's good. That's good. good. All right. Well, uh, so, you know, we've had the events of 2020 and just kind of the different things that have happened with Ahmad uh, Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, uh, the protest, <laughs> pandemic, election. So how have those things affected your view of race relations in our nation and in the church? Now, your book was published, you know, just last year, but is there anything that you would kind of maybe change or, or add or anything you would do differently in light of the events of this year? Yeah, I think, to be honest, I think we pulled some punches in some of the language. Uh-huh. I think I would have a section a little more stronger. Instead of using the term advantage, I would use privilege. Okay. okay. And that's a little different because... When I presented this to some people, they said that felt like 
a little too like you're poking me in the chest or you're and I'm like that's what prophecy does right but yeah. so so I pulled, sometimes <laughs> the Bible does that right? I pulled yes. back a little bit because also no I got I'm, I'm I want to woo people to this to this issue and I don't want to turn people off with using using this language but but what we've seen with 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 George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, and other issues is that this is urgent yes and so maybe now it's not the time to pull punches and, and right. you know I think there's a way to be prophetic and be helpful uh, but I think uh, I think I might include some more some more historical things yeah. but you know what to be honest why don't I just point him in the direction of Jamar Tisbury who did Tisby yes who did a far better job maybe I would just yeah. point him in directions like that right. instead of because because he he walked through these issues very well right okay um, yeah so uh, I think I could be a little bit more prophetic uh huh yeah in, in light of the current issues good. yeah good yeah I think the, I think the thing about your book and I, and I, the uniqueness of it is it really is. A, a strong book in regards to how does the Bible speak towards right. these things from beginning to right. end, and I, I, I think it's for, for that reason it's timeless. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And, yeah. and so, no matter what, like I was reading it, like after the fact, after some of these events, and I was like, did he write it before these events? Yeah. And then, like, I, like yeah, he did write it before these events because I could actually check and see when it was published. Yeah. And so for that reason, it's a timeless book, and I think it's, right. it's great. And along those lines, um, we do a suggested resource um, every podcast episode, and our suggested resource for this week is actually Bill's book. We are thankful you were able to join us today. Yeah, um, right. If you want to get a copy of the book, you can get it on Amazon. The title, once again, is One Church, All People. Biblical truth about diversity and reconciliation, or you can get in contact with Bill, and we'll have his information listed in our podcast notes for this episode. All right, so Bill, we uh, <laughs> every episode we do a crazy question just to try to let people know who we are and laugh a little bit because we're normally dealing with pretty weighty matters, and yes. so we don't want it. We don't want it to always be uh, super somber. Uh, so, Bill, <laughs> here's our, our crazy question for today. Uh, you're a part of the Missouri Baptist Convention. So as a part of the Missouri Baptist Convention, you get to travel through yeah. the state, mm -hmm. go to different places, mm -hmm. meet different pastors, do different things. So the big real question that we have yes, this is, important. is what is the best place for ribs in the state of Missouri? Man. The best place. <laughs> now, don't. Okay. Right. Well, we want to know. And if you say that you don't like ribs, no, no, no. we've already decided that. We will go back and rewrite everything that's happened up to this point, and we'll shut down the episode. No, ribs are important. We don't, we don't ribs know are you. important to Kenny and I. Right, right? they're important to us. I, I have a disappointing answer because a disappointing well, answer. Well, I, I have not found good ribs in Missouri. Ooh. Wow! No, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I love. I I've, I've found great barbecue. Yes. Okay. Okay. I found great brisket. My, I think. Unfortunately, it's it's not in Missouri, but I love Joe's in okay. Kansas City. I love that's probably my favorite barbecue it's place. Missouri adjacent, we'll it's, take yeah. it. Close, right? it's, right? it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like right it's like there. a half a half a block away. <laughs> right, right. But that's that's probably my favorite place for barbecue. Okay, yeah. But I didn't like their ribs. Uh -huh. it, I didn't. They were okay. They were yeah. they were yeah, mediocre. Yeah. And, and in, I'm getting in trouble here. Uh -oh. okay. Depending on who listens. I haven't found good barbecue in central Missouri. Woo! Wow. 
Hey, man, that might be yeah. true. Now, it could be. I mean, you Central know, Missouri. The, you best, know. the best ribs I've had in a restaurant were actually in Fort Worth, Texas. Oh. A place called Risky's in Sundance Square was my favorite. Okay. My favorite rib place. Was, right. Was, uh, <clears throat> the best ribs I've ever had were actually smoked by a friend's father-in-law. Right, at the house. Oh, right. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But nice. I'm willing... You, What's unfortunate is that I grew up in St. Louis, and and at the time barbecue culture wasn't, it wasn't as in St. Louis as as big as it was in Fort Worth, Texas, That's or right. Kansas yeah. City. But uh, I need, I've heard of some great places in St. Louis. I need to get over there. Okay. You know, I live two hours away. It's not always sure, easy sure. to get there. But right. But yeah. in terms of my favorite barbecue place is uh, within a two mile, two hundred mile drive right. is. Uh, <laughs> Is uh, right. Joe's in Kansas City. Joe's okay. in Kansas City. All so, right. According to Bill, guys, you have to leave the state of Missouri in order to get a decent <laughs> slab of no, ribs. I, uh, no, I'm just kidding. He didn't right, say that. Right. He didn't say that. Hey, Bill, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, we, we do, again, we just recommend the book to anybody, all our listeners. We encourage you to grab a copy of the book. It'll be really helpful to you. Uh, and walking through those biblical passages. And uh, we just thank you so much for, yeah. for, for being with us today. Amen. Gentlemen, this has been great. It's been an honor to be a part of your podcast. I really enjoy your story and what you guys are doing. So thank you for, thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, brothers. Thanks so much for listening to the Diversity and Fellowship podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us your questions and your comments to diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. That's diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, keep laboring by God's grace to be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ.